L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. How to lose like a winner. How do you do that? What are the steps when you have lost? Because that is so hard for anyone to do this. When you have lost, when you did not want to lose, when, I mean, you have so much going on, going up for this win. How do you lose like a winner? What are, what is your process when you are coming out of that and then getting, recalibrating your brain, working with, it's all mental probably at that point. What are you going through so you can lose like a winner? Well, step, step one, it started way before the win and way before, way before the loss. It started way before at that point in time of your greatest moment of opportunity or your darkest hour, ask yourself, did I do enough? You are enough. You definitely are enough. Maybe you don't feel like you are enough, but at your greatest moment of opportunity and your greatest or your greatest or your darkest hour, you are definitely enough. Maybe you don't feel like that, but you have to, you also have to ask the question, did you do enough? Mm. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I did every single thing that I possibly could to be successful. I worked hard. I was disciplined with my diet. I, I left no stone unturned in my preparation. So when I got to that moment and those lights were shining the brightest, it wasn't even really up to me. The outcome itself was going to be up to God, the creator, the universe, whoever you think it is. You know, to me, I think God's plan is is so much bigger than me. And it's almost, it's almost really not up to me at that point, as long as I did every single thing I possibly could. So that's step one. Make and then if you if your answer to that was no, I didn't do enough. Okay, well, well then. maybe you needed this loss to to check yourself. Maybe you needed this loss to take faculty, to take, to take stock in, okay, what could I have done better? Yep. What areas of my life can I start to to wrench up, clean up? organize, take people out, put people in, put systems in place for me to be more disciplined and work harder and get in a better situation to be successful or deserve success. Cause I truly believe we were all created with the ability to be successful, but I don't think we all deserve success. There's, it's just, it's yeah, just the that. fact of the matter. Life is a, life is a, a meritocracy. If I work harder than you, if I do things better than you, if I pay more attention to detail, do you deserve it as much as I do? It's hard to say. And that's I think thing. we're all created for great things, but not everybody deserves the same level of success. Right. It's just the fact of the matter. And that, that's the thing. You can be born with talent, but if you don't do anything with that talent, you just think, okay, I have talent. I should just be blessed with all the stuff. Then yeah, the person who's working harder, who maybe didn't have as much natural born talent yeah. is going to crush you. Yes. And it, and it's, you know, it's cyclical as well and it's different seasons or whatever. And timelines work out differently. But so that's, that's the first thing is making sure you're the person that deserves success because you did everything you possibly could. And then once that loss happens and only, you know, that if you've done it all. Yeah, no, it's true. And that's, and that, and I do think that's once where again, trusting yourself, not lying to yourself. Yes. And I think that's where the self-sabotage comes in a lot of times where, where something works out. I mean, you could really metaphorically look at it as in a, metaphorically look at a fight and watch the turning of the tide change when a person kind of gives up on themselves a little bit here and there. Mm. And it was a subconscious decision that was probably tied back to, did I do enough? No, I didn't do enough. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and bow out right now. Okay. And I think that happens in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people's different seasons or vocations, whatever they are deciding to do with their hopes and goals and dreams and aspirations. So when the loss actually does happen, 
and you're standing there, you know, in my, in my process, the, my opponent's getting his hand raised at that point, number one, you still have to be grateful, grateful right before, and then grateful right after. And I, and I've said this since the very beginning, and it's been probably 10 years since I heard it. I heard someone talk about, Hey, at the end of it all, win, lose, or draw, my God still loves me. My family still loves me. And I still love me. And those are, that's the, that's the cornerstone of, of win, lose, or draw. Mm. And especially during the loss, because that's when you need it the most to realize, Hey, okay. Yeah. I lost. He beat me. That's cool. He's better tonight, but Hey, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and my God still loves me. My family still loves me. And I still love me. And I have so many things to be grateful for. And that, that, that list is all tied back to gratitude. So you have to go into this opportunity with gratitude, gratitude for the win or the loss. So number one, make sure you did everything you possibly could to be successful. So you have no regrets. Number two, operate in gratitude, gratitude if you win or gratitude if you lose. And then also showing yourself the grace if you don't really have the gratitude if you lose, because all of us have moments of being sore losers and upset and <laughs> and mad. It just happens. And it give could, yourself a little time to like vent it out. Yeah, no, I, I've it out for a while. I was back there in, in New York, you know, like I'm, I couldn't breathe. Blood was coming out of my nose. Oh my like I'm, the doctors are like, you got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital. It's, it's going to, I'm going to be there till six in the morning. I'm not going to, not leaving here on an ambulance. So you just again. left with a broken nose? Oh yeah. Well, I stay, I stayed there. Luckily they were, they, they were, they were like, actually, okay. We looked at your face. Your face is fine. Okay. It's a broken nose. Everyone gets broken nose. It's no big deal. You, you seem very clear. Your eyes are all good. You know, you're, you're good. You don't need to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, thank God. Cause I don't want to go there anymore. Um, so then once you have that, then it's, then it's kind of just honestly continuing to go back to gratitude. I, I wasn't thinking about the loss. I was grateful that I was able to hug and cry in my, in the arms of my, my coach, Henry Hooft and hug and cry in the arms of Marquez Jackson and Jason Stroud, my coaches. And then, you know, Bree was wearing this beautiful awesome outfit. So I didn't want to bleed all over her. So I didn't really hug her too much, but just those moments where I was just looking at her and she's looking at me and there was even that you moment. You did a post about her just like, what? that yeah. like, That like, actually makes me teary yeah. thinking about it. Like Bree standing... <sighs> Yeah, standing there like watching you being oh, yeah. I can't even like say <laughs> it it's so it's so yeah. powerful like that's yeah. true partnership no it was and I mean that was that's my great that was my greatest moment of opportunity you know 15 minutes before and then my darkest hour all rolled into one you're standing there you're ready to go this is your greatest moment of opportunity go be the winner that you were born to be and then you don't and then at your darkest hour it was still, it was still that moment. It was just me and her. I was like 20,000 people in the arena in Madison square garden, the world's most iconic arena. And it was just me and her. And it was, it was so crazy. And I'll never be able to put it into words. It was like, it was like a movie. It was like, I really was watching a movie and, and she was the star of it. And, and still, even though I was the guy blood coming out of my nose, hands up there. And I, and every, I could feel everyone looking at me like, it was like, there was a spotlight on her and she was the star of what I was. It was almost like I was it, I put myself into her eyes and what she was maybe seeing, not in a, not in a selfish way. Like I wanted to look at myself. It was more just trying to see the world through her view. And I think it was the first time in my career that I, that I was really able to see that wow. and, and put it into, put it into perspective and really the love and the sacrifice that she has made over these last almost 10 years of this crazy life that we call being married to a mixed martial artist. And now the the platform is so big and it's so massive and it's so much bigger than you, yet you have to just be present and be this little human being in this crazy movie that we're watching. Hey, 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.